ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years, with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vein and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Today I have a very, very special guest. Um, his name's Steve Walker. I grew up as a young kid and um, Steve was riding SL70s and XR75s for my dad. So I have Steve Walker and Danny Duncan here, and we're going to talk pre-three-wheelers, basically, um, and some motorcycle stuff, CMMMC at Barona Oaks, uh, for anybody that remembers that era. So, Steve, how are you, sir? Doing fantastic, Lenny. Doing fantastic. Danny, good to see you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for coming on ATV Talk. I know it's not the norm for you, being that you're a uh, motorcyclist and always have been, and you uh, have a tour company now, correct? Yes, we do. It's called Coyote Trail Adventures. Uh, you know, I've been up here in the Mojave Desert now for the last 30 years and uh, continued on with the motorcycling way, and it's been a passion since I was nine years old, and uh, and Five years ago, we started this trail business called Coyote Trail Adventures, and we do uh, we got a fleet full of KTM 350s, and we do uh, tours across the Mojave Desert and the Eastern Sierra Nevada Mountains now. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and before we get into the the fun stuff, how long does a tour usually last? Our most popular is a three day ride, uh, but we do anything from. I got one we call the Tour of California, and that starts here in Palmdale. And it's on dual sport motorcycles, and we rate we we rate the riders as we get going, and uh, we ride everything from novice ability to very advanced trails. And uh, we got this tour of California that is one of my favorite. It starts here in Cal, starts here in Palmdale, and ends in Bridgeport. It's uh, about it varies anywhere between 800 and 900 miles, and it's all on dirt. A couple pavement roads going into town and out of town. Uh, it's a six-day ride. 
Wow, that's pretty awesome. So when you get to lead the advanced, because I know that you haven't done much motorcycle riding, so you're probably in the novice category, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's trying to be a smart ass there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's doing a good job of it, you know. That kind of reminds me of about three years ago. Uh, I have actually have a very good guide that works with me a lot. I do all the guiding mostly myself. Plus, I have one other person who I have several people that work with me quite a bit. Uh, John Sides is a good friend of mine. He works with me. He he knows the trails as well as I do. We work very well together. Uh, he'll lead a lot of advanced trails. I'll lead a lot. You know, we 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 flip it back and forth on uh, and try to make that an equal opportunity. You know, who gets to have the most fun? You know. Mm-hmm. As, as as you're laughing, Lenny, and bring that up, you know, it brings me up to a short story about three years ago. We're out in the middle of this lake bed behind Trona, a place called the Trona Pinnacles. And uh, those of you who know the Mojave Desert, you know, it's a great place. These uh, big dirt spires up in the air. It, it, they filmed Planet of the Apes there. They did a lot of filming, a lot of stuff like that there. We would stop. We would stop there on our first day going out. And uh, give the guys an opportunity, you know, are you ready for more dirt or you want to hurry up and take the easy way and get to the coldest beer or whatever your your coldest beverage of choice uh, sooner than later. And we had this a couple guys with us, young guys, and they chose, oh, we want more dirt. So me and John, we flipped for it. And John's 62, I'm 59. Well, we flipped for it and I won the toss. I got to go do more dirt, you know. And these young guys, they look at me and they say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're sorry about that. You know, we, we didn't mean to, you know, we realize you're probably tired. We'll just go the easy way too. I said, come on, you're coming with me. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. The rest is a great story, but uh, <laughs> to, to put it pretty simple, by the time they got back to the camp, they were, they were exhausted. They go, okay, we know, we know now how not to, judge people <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty oh, awesome well. yeah that's pretty awesome hey steve turn your volume down just a little bit okay uh volume down let me see how i can do that real quick i know how to ride motorcycles and how to ride trails but i'm not real computer oriented my uh, wife is gonna step in and just a hair you're getting a little bit of feedback so How's that better? Up just a hair now. Up, up. There you go. Good. Perfect. Right there. Okay. We'll try that. Yeah, we'll try that. Maybe so we'll try not to yell, yell too much. That's okay. I do it all the time. Um, so how old were you when you met Danny? I believe nine, 10 years old, you know, uh, me and mom and dad have some good conversations about that. It was 72, 73 when we started racing. It had to be 72 when we did our very first race. And this was on a SL 70. Uh, back then there was lots of, lots of motorcycle tracks around San Diego County. I mean, you know, my very first motorcycle race was at Miramar out, uh, in the Hills there along interstate five. You know, and we, we did this great race. Uh, you know, I can remember there was lots and lots of people there. Uh, I raced the XR70 or a SL70 at that time there. 
got fourth place. And there was probably 14 riders in the race. I believe I got fourth place, my first race. Uh, one of our next adventures we did, uh, took this SL70 and we went to Carlsbad Raceway. Imagine Carlsbad Raceway, the, the world championship motocross track. And we're racing SL70s around there, you know. And uh, they had what they called the Schoolboy MX Championships there. And there was the likes of Jeff Ward, Brian Myerskoff, all the top people in the country at that time riding this race. Uh, I don't remember. I, you had to qualify on Saturday and race on Sunday. Uh, and that's, that is my very earliest memory of you, Danny, is I remember we had that motorcycle. I crashed it up there. I crashed it. I ended up qualifying. But we come back down out of Carlsbad, back to Lakeside there. We lived over off of Lost Coaches Road. And you guys, actually, you guys are off of Lost Coaches Road, correct? Yes. Yeah. And we were off uh, the old Interstate 8, you know, about four or five miles away. And we pulled the motor out of that motorcycle that Saturday night. Dad drugged me along because, you know, if you're going to race it, you got to help fix it too. And we're going over to see Danny and uh, went over and went up to the shop up on the hill. And I, I couldn't tell you what was wrong with the motorcycle. I just remember it took till about 10 o'clock that night. You and dad got that thing running again. And uh, we went out, we raced the next day at Carlsbad. And I couldn't tell you what place we got. Uh, I got beat pretty good by those guys at that time there. Um, you know, and then we just, we continued racing. You know, there was a great motorcycle track called uh, Four Corners. And Four Corners kind of leads on into what became Brona Oats. Uh, there's great stories I could tell leading into that. Well, that, the, the Brona Oaks is where we spent a lot of our childhood racing motorcycles and you know hanging out with our two families i, I remember i remember a yeah. little bit of it i was a little behind you and lauren so i didn't get to ride near as much yeah no there was a lot of that there was uh four corners and brona oaks uh every now and then we'd race the tts out at uh Ahisa. remember those danny yeah you know go out there and race there i remember me and lauren had a couple good races there at Ahisa and uh you know, what a great childhood we, we grew up with. You, know, you can go back. I see results of those things today. And, you know, some of the best riders in the world were riding those local races at that time. This was the hot spot for motorcycle racing in the, you know, early 70s and the 80s. Yes, well, yes, it was. Some of that early thing, your dad and I uh, wanted you guys to go racing. And we would go to some of those tracks. And because there was the you four boys, we uh, had to talk a couple of places into letting us uh, have you guys ride. Yeah. And because yeah. there was no uh, mini class at the time. And we kept trying that. And it kind of caught on. And more people uh, had kids that wanted to race. But there was, you know, really no place for them to race uh, right and so uh, as it caught on uh my recollection of it is when when we were out with all you the fork boy uh, four of you 
uh, Charlie was the fastest, and we thought oh, Charlie was going to be the racer. And and as it turned out, <laughs> it wasn't Charlie; it was you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but that was that was early on before before organized racing. You know. Right. Right. No, and I I remember that. You know, uh, that Carlsbad race. You know, and. Sorry, Charlie, I know my brother will listen to this podcast down the road here a little ways, but he was there at that race, that Carlsbad race, and he got sick to his stomach on Saturday and decided he didn't want to race. <laughs> uh, that was kind of uh, the thing is uh, um, out of the four of you guys, uh, you're the one that uh, that turned out to be the, the major racer uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but we, but we, you know, you know, and it's amazing because we'll look back at that, Danny. We'll look back at that, and uh, you know, I got a couple stories I want to tell. You know, after this is, and you know, here we are. You know, we're talking 1972, 73, 74, so almost 50 years ago, almost 50 years ago. You know, and here we sit today still part of the motorcycle business because it's something that we love in our heart, you know, such, such, such a deep passion, you know, you guys went on to become, you know, I was sharing with some friends today about doing this podcast with Duncan racing, you know, and the Duncan racing, you know, them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, absolutely. I know them. And before Duncan racing, there was Danny's machine works. You know, and before Danny's Machine Works, there was Valley Honda, you know, which later became Honda Bel Cajon, which uh, after I moved out of there, that became Motor World. Is that not correct? Yep. Yes. It, Motor World had some uh, stuff where they sponsored uh, a little bit of Supercross. So Motor World is, is known and they have, a, I, I believe, a pretty well-known parts store that people buy from. So Motor World's not an unknown name in the motorcycle ATV world when it comes to buying parts. Right. Exa exactly. And I remember back then at that time there when you worked there, Danny, uh, the gentleman who owned it at that time there, Tom Walters. Yeah. Tom Walters owned the, buy, owned the shop. You know, uh, at 12 years old, I remember I'm 12 years old and I'm we're, I'm unfortunate, unfortunately, right now we're moving, we're remodeling our home. So we have everything all boxed up. I can't find anything. But I have pictures, I have stuff from, you know, back in that era there. Uh, I got this poster. I had this poster that was made up. This was 73 or 74, but on the top of the poster, it has my name on there Jeff Ford, Brian Myerscoff, Mike Brown, Billy Urban, all these guys that were just, the best of the best in the world at that time, the country, at least the country, at least at that time. And there was a challenge race at Barona Oaks or actually that, that was before Barona. It was at Four Corners, Pat Peel's. Right. right. I remember that. And, uh, you know, you know, things led on from that SL 70 to a fully sponsored ride with Honda Del Cajon and Danny, all that was because of you, you know, you, 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 you built this team at that time. I believe Rick Johnson was our number two rider. I was the number one rider at that time. 
uh, imagine that, you know, Steve Walker, the number one rider on this mini team, Ricky Johnson was the number two rider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things changed pretty drastically within a few years, you know, a short, it only took a short time beyond that. But uh, I remember that, I believe it was a little white Chevy van. Was it Chevy van or Dodge van? Dodge van. Oh, Dodge van. And uh, your dad would haul this would haul this motorcycle to the races. I got to show up and race the motorcycle every weekend, and it was claimed to be one of the fastest. Home, I think not if if not one of the fastest, but the fastest XR seventy five in the United States at that time. You know, it was so fast that at one point, uh, a group of riders from Arizona tried to claim the motor. Uh, tore it down. Actually, that was a couple of years later, about a year or so later, uh, over at Barona, you know, through Jeff Ford Racing. But this this motorcycle was just fast. It was one of the best there was, and there ended up being a race, a challenge race in four corners. Jeff Ward, Brian Myerscaff came down, rode it, raced it. Uh, they ended up beating me, and it was my home track, but there was a point where I was beating them, and, uh, you know, one time I fell off while eating them. Another time I, you know, uh, I forget something happened to the motor on the bike on the, you know, but it was near the end of the race. But that was, you, you, you talk about a dream come true. There was a child we were wearing orange. These bikes were painted all orange with silver, silver lining on the tank. Uh, there was five of us on this race team. And I had the only bike, this bike would come back and they would wash it in the morning on Monday morning. The bike would go on the showroom floor in Honda of El Cajon. Um, you know, people still give me, you know, a little bit of, they, they, they remember those times there, there was Steve Walker racing without gloves in little lineman's boots and Bates leathers. And uh, <laughs> that's, you know, and, and, and Danny, you were, you, you were the biggest thing behind that whole thing. I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live. No, that was, uh, you know, kind of the start of, uh, of Duncan Racing, uh, you know, because uh, Tom Walters uh, was who I worked for. And uh, he, uh, I wanted him to, uh, to buy some machinery and let me run that. But uh, he, uh, he didn't want to... Uh, uh, get too deep into the performance end of uh, right the uh, thing. So um, I started uh, doing everything at home. Yeah, and then it became Danny's Machine Works, correct? Yes, that was in in 1977. It, the the the, uh, the Danny's Machine Works was a a play on words because at that time. Uh, I was doing a lot of uh, work for uh, motorcycle guys that raced, and I would do a lot of uh, maintenance and performance work for them. And yeah. it was Danny's machine works, and everybody thought it was a machine shop. No, <laughs> now now I get it. Now I totally get it. That's yeah. why I have so many quads here to do service work on and and prep for racing. Thanks. Yeah, and, that. and you're correct there. The Danny's machines always worked. Yeah, and uh, that SL70, your dad and I worked out a deal that uh, 
I would, uh, I had uh, the XR75 that you were riding and, and he gave me that one and I was letting, we done some performance work on it and Lauren rode that. Okay. And then along shortly into that, Lauren's mother decided that if he was going to go racing, buy him a racer, you know. <laughs> so we ended up buying uh, another XR75. Right, right. But uh, those were great times, you know. You couldn't ask for a greater period to grow up, you know, uh, because it was around that time period there between this Four Corners race that I'm talking about and uh, the beginning of Brona Oaks. You know, Brona Oaks was founded. People don't know how that place was actually founded. My dad knew the Indian chief at that time, Joe Welch, and uh, we would travel through the Indian reservation coming back from Four Corners. And he would stop on a Saturday night or a Sunday and, you know, and have a couple uh, drinks with the guy. <laughs> adult sodas? A, a couple of adult, adult sodas. Yeah, I can remember that stuff very well. But that's how, that is how Brona Oaks became a racetrack, you know. Uh, and, and today, everybody, you know, everybody from our age down to kids race there. But at that time there, you could only be... You were over 16, you had to go race somewhere else. You weren't allowed to race there. No, that was, yeah, and in your era, that's the way they done it. And then eventually, now anything, any class, uh, they have all kinds of uh, age groups and, and size. Yeah. I think they have a little kid's track off to the side. Um, <laughs> if you haven't been up there in a while which I haven't been, but they used to have a little kid's track so the little, little guys could ride while the big kids were riding on the other side. And it's, it's changed a lot. It's not yeah. like it used to be. Well, I seen some pictures on social media on Facebook the other day. Uh, the kid who used to race there, uh, Frankie Brundage, is still building the track. His dad built the track shortly after my dad. and His dad was a very big part of that. Uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, stuff like that. Uh, after we were kind of done with it and moved on to the bigger bikes, the CMC and AMA racing and stuff like that. Uh, but I noticed that the original flagpole is still up there. You know, and, and somewhere on my phone, I, I got this picture of uh, these XR75s. And I believe it was, it was three of us, part of the same team that I'm talking about, Danny, uh, coming around that flagpole corner. Remember that flagpole corner up there? We come around and I got this XR75 on the rear wheel coming up around the corner leading, I'm not, I think it was Shelby Blevins and maybe uh, Scott Myers. I'm not sure who all they were, but uh, I'll have to dig through and find that picture on my phone and maybe I can show it. That's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, because I'll need some photos from you for when this posts and everything. Okay. Talking back when uh, when the guys from Arizona came over and protested, yeah, and everybody asked, uh, "Aren't you offended?" And I said, "No, that's like pinning a, a ribbon on uh, on a sug because when I knew it was stock, uh, or the stroke was stock." Yeah. A anyway, the the uh, 
the guys from Arizona and your dad was one of the officials and everything, they had to put up the money. And then when they handed me the money, I handed it to your dad and says, go buy the beer. Yep, yep. I, I remember that distinctly. <laughs> and and they got all up uh, kind of, they thought they were going to get their money back. And, uh, and then when they pulled the head off, they wanted to see the head and I wrapped it in a rag and stuck it in the back of the truck. And that upset them. And I says, you just get to measure bore and stroke. You know, you're. That's the that that was illegal. That that was the way the rules were written. Yeah, and so uh, they yeah. went away very unhappy because they thought that uh, that the reason you were beating their their uh, best riders was the that we were cheating. And right. No, we didn't cheat. We did. Nope. I'll bet money if you'd have pulled theirs apart, it would have been a cheater. <laughs> could could have been. It could have been. Well, I, I love the the the, the uh, part about when you protest because when we raced the stadium races, the top three always had to tear down, and four and five had to be ready in case somebody. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, when Mickey Thompson went away, and it was pace you could run a three thirty, and you, you know, when you, when, when everybody would take their stuff apart, they'd take the head off and wrap it in a rag or whatever and put it away or drop it in the air box. So nobody could see it. Right. I, I loved it. We were at, we were at uh Sam Boyd silver bowl in Vegas and uh, Travis Spader had just won and we pulled the head off of the thing and and I'm, I pulled the head off, and we were running a standard bore cylinder, and and the other four bikes that were sitting there for the pro for the teardown were all three thirties, so oh, really? big whole giant pistons. And I go, wow, look at that, that little bitty piston. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love things like that. I, I, I we don't get we don't get tore down very often anymore. I mean, I, I don't think it's happened one time in the last twenty years. Oh, really? Yeah. That yeah. And and see I got into the more off-road and desert stuff and it just it don't happen there either, you know. Yeah, you raced a ton of ton of District 38, didn't you? Yes, yes we did. We uh you know, as the XR as I got older and bigger and stuff like that, we moved on to the bigger bikes and motocross uh uh you know, the Honda CR125s, there was a you know, cut the, the old Elsinores racing those, then moved on into the open pro class. Uh, you know, and in my, my motocross career kind of ended around the end of 1980, 80, 81. Uh, got to a point where the likes of Ricky Johnson, Brock Glover, Scott Burnworth, all everybody I grew up with, they were national material. Um, I was barely, I, you know, I'd done pretty good, but I wasn't their caliber. I wasn't going to make a living at it. So I kind of moved on with my life and got into the construction business, uh, moved on into some other areas of my life. You know, there was actually a couple of dark years in that period there, which uh, I know, Danny, you know well about. You know, I've taught, I've even sat in your shop and got to talk to you about that. And you know, because of those little, little periods there in my life, you know, I, I became, uh, I'm sitting here right now with, 28 years of uh, sobriety and, uh, you know, 
so in between that time, I'd started racing some off-road too. I decided, you know, I, motorcycles is my passion and uh, started racing some off-road and District 38 was it there local in San Diego. And, you know, we had a number one plate there in the open expert class and uh, rode some nationals, had, had a great time. And, you know, that, that moved on to where I haven't stopped riding since. How long ago was it that you raced your last race? Oh, the last race was up here in District 37. That was probably 2005, 2006. Oh, so you raced relatively uh, not too long ago. I mean, it's 15, yeah. 16 years ago, but but still. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got up here. You, I moved up here uh, because of work. Work brought me up this way uh, back in 1991. 1991, and uh, so I live in Palmdale now. Where I'm at right now is kind of in the foothills, the uh, uh, San Gabriel Mountains up here in my back my backyard. Me and my lovely wife, we have four acres here, a couple donkeys, garage full of motorcycles. Like I said, I've been here about 30 years now, and uh, L.A. County Raceway, it's in my front yard. I can look at it from the hill here and see L.A. County Raceway. Listen to it on a Friday night or whatever, what have you. Uh, and so we got into the District 37 racing up here, and I became a club member with uh, this off-road club up here called the, the Lost Coyotes. Hence how I became Coyote Trail Adventures uh, with the company that I have today. And you know, so got into a little bit of the racing, and what I what I discovered as I got older, I love dual sport riding. I love dirt bikes. Uh, I, I love that whole thing, you know, and, and today we, we do a lot of exploring. We, we, we ride, you know, like I said, we got some of these rides that last up to 900 miles, you know, um, that, that's my passion. I, I don't have a big desire today to go racing anymore. You know, once you have that passion, it's really hard to get rid of. And I, you know, there, there's still a, a small part of my heart that I love racing and I try, I, I follow racing every weekend, every day. Uh, but I just don't have a huge desire to get out there and race anymore. If I was to race today, I would love to go get an old 1973, 74 Honda 250 Elsinore, have Danny build it, and go race that in the, in the vintage races and just have a little bit of fun, you know. But uh, yeah, the racing career that kind of that that ended, and uh, but the desire to the desire to live with motorcycles and ride motorcycles, I don't think that'll ever end. Well, that's good because we wouldn't want it to, you know. No, no. Most of our life on the back of a motorcycle, you know, ATV, you know. I've I've got pictures. I got pictures when I was under two years old sitting on the tank of an old Triumph that my dad had, you know, or a Honda 350 305 Scrambler that he had, you know. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at some of the stuff that your sponsors you got in the background there, you know. And I see uh, Kate. Was that Take Two Custom Keys? Yep, that's Lauren Diamond. Yep, yep, Lauren. You know, I spoke with Lauren today. You know, and Lauren, Lauren does all my T-shirts, and my hats now. And you know, uh, you know, there's there's someone here there who his dad and you, Danny. You know, the the history that you guys had, my dad had with his dad. You know, stuff like that. Me and Lauren never really became uh, didn't we didn't get. To know each other until recently through dual sport motorcycle riding you know believe that or not you know we're up in bishop riding a dual sport ride and hey 
I know you. Yeah, I know you too. You know, we've become good friends since then. Um, you know, and 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 I and I want to step back real quick as we talk talking here. You know, because there was, I I shared about that period of off road racing. You know, uh, in District Thirty Eight, Fud Pucker got I got it. You know, an open expert number one plate there, which was a huge deal. But at that time there, that was when Duncan Racing was starting to go pretty big. And, you know, we stepped back to your brother and your son, Danny, you know, Lauren, you know, and that was, you know, you guys were all still a big part of that right there, the two of you. I remember Lauren building these CR500s for me. And guys, if you don't know what it is to like, like to ride a CR500, <laughs> a stock one will rock your world. Now let, let Duncan Racing build the motor for you. It's gonna really rock your world, you know. We, yeah, and and uh, you know, I I just gotta step back and you know, you know, give give some credit there. I remember that stuff that Lauren built, you know. You know, Danny, you built everything for me as as a kid growing up, you know. And it kind of transformed. You know, Lauren took off and he did the racing. You know, then you guys all kind of went into the building the motorcycles and doing doing what you you know, you're the world renowned. Duncan racing and uh you know and 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 you know I was a small part of that in the very beginning with the motorcycle part of it and uh I'm not sure how many motorcycle people Duncan racing sponsored but I know I'm pretty sure I was the first and I don't know how many after that but the CR500s I had an 87 CR500 that we uh, ran down in Baja and you guys built the motor Lauren Lauren had done a lot of work to that motor and the motors weren't the motors were going to be fast no matter what, but we had to build these motors to be fast, but reliable also, you know, uh, one thing that helped out a lot there was some of the maximum, maximum lubricants that we used. You know, I remember quick racing gasoline, the 927, uh, maximum castor oil, uh, put that in a CR 500 built by you guys. And we, we clocked at one time down there, I think it was 115 or 116 miles an hour. Now imagine trying to ride a CR500 going across the desert that fast. You know, it's, it, it was just unimaginable. Uh, you know, and you know what? Just like those XR75s, those CR500 motors, they lasted too and they went to the end. You know, I'll never forget that. How many Baja races did you race? I didn't race that many Baja races. Uh, Three or four five hundreds. Uh, never got a great finish. One year we ran third overall uh, for most of the race. And third overall was really good. Then we ended up burning up a bunch of Dunlop tires that I'd gotten for experimental use. Uh, later on, that tire through experimental use became a very great tire. But at that time there, it wasn't a great tire. It got burned up in the heat doing 100 miles an hour down around San Felipe. And uh, we lost two or three of them and dropped us back by an hour and a half. But I did, you know, rode, rode some races in Takati and stuff like that. You know, 1988, we won we won the Takati Grand Prix uh, on a CR500. Yeah. Well, this is off topic, but the KTM that you ride today I know you're a little older and I know it's a totally different environment, but what's the comparison to the two machines? There is no comparison. I didn't think so. There, 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 there's zero comparison whatsoever. Uh, 
that CR500, if you weren't ready to hold on to it, it was going to jump out and go without you. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I got goosebumps sitting here right here now talking about it. You know, the you know we have a fleet of KTM 350 EXCs in, in up in the garage right now that uh, I love them. You know, they don't do that. They, you know, uh, I had and, and and being being that you know getting going back to that subject right there. Being that I was riding, you know, still riding open bikes and stuff like that. And now I'm a pretty big guy still and you know gotten older and heavier and gray hair and less hair uh <laughs> but uh i was riding 500s and we started and we had as we built this company we had 500s in the company you know thinking and, and, and we were right a lot of people want to come out and ride these 500s in the desert you know ktm 5 500 but they weren't quite ready, you know, and, and these were nothing. And again, that KTM 500 is nothing like a Honda CR 500. Nothing. You know, there's only one thing that compares to that CR 500. Actually, there's a couple things. And that was at that time there, a Kawasaki KX 500. Everybody who's listening to this, they know what those were. And prior to that time, and we're talking back around 1972, uh, the TM Suzuki TM 400 and the old Mako 501s. Uh, and Danny, you'll remember some of those, how the, you know, they went really fast in a straight line, but that's about all they did, you know. Yeah. The Kawasaki's and the Hondas later in the mid, mid and late 80s, you know, they were great machines. They, they, they didn't say, you know, but there was also a lot, also some um, national championships in motocross and off-road, one on both bikes. So you know, they, 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 they started to turn a little bit, but still they... There's not a motorcycle today that's built that's like them. And I don't think anybody would disagree with me on, on that, you know. Well, they have you ever ridden the, the 300, the two-stroke KTM? Yeah, yeah. You think of that? I love it. They're, they're, they're great bikes, the 250s, the KTM 300s, all them two-strokes. They're fantastic motorcycles. I love them. Do, we, you know, we'll take them and do a lot of single track with them. Uh the best all-around, all-purpose bike that I've found is this KTM 350 EXC. You know, and that's for a dual sport because it'll do everything. It can't do the single track and the tight trees quite as good as a KTM 300 or 250. You know, I was reading the thing on KTM earlier today. You know, the wide variety of motorcycles that they have. You know, they got several in this two-stroke range. You know, the KTM 200, 250, 300. Uh, and they got several off-road four-stroke models, the XCs. Then we had these EXCFs with the with the license plates. Uh, the crowd I choose today, we we we, we like these EXCFs with the license plates on them. You know, you can go anywhere you want to. It's basically an off-road motorcycle with the license plate. That's that, that's awesome. That, I mean, I'm not a huge KTM fan, but they do make. I can't wait to ride one of those two strokes. I mean, I probably said it 50 times on this on the show. Uh, I just need to break away and get some time to go ride one. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, my, mine are all the four stroke models. I'm 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 still with the four strokes, and see me looking away and pondering here. I'm still a Honda fan. Okay, I love Hondas. But the KTM has come through the the market that I do today. The KTM is the bike to be riding. Right. 
and and they've gotten better with their parts supply and their quality. Terrific, terrific. We have we have zero problems with these three fifties. Uh, you know, uh, hours upon hours. You know, we we run a good product in the oil department on it. You know, again, we use I still use Maxima products religiously today. Uh, in fact, we engineering products all the way around on the body to protect from the rocks that we hit, and we hit a lot of rocks, a lot of cactuses. Uh, yes. Oh, really? There's rocks out there? You, you yeah. actually people near the rocks? Wow. <laughs> I, I don't think I can go on one of those rides. That's, that's, I'll, have to send you, I'll have to send you some pictures then. I've seen them on Facebook. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 cool. I, I got to do a little bit of riding with a buddy of mine named Robin Fawcett up there in, um, gosh, where's the naval base? Uh, uh, why, can't, why can't I think of the... Up by Ridgecrest? Yep, Ridgecrest. That's my area. That's my area. That, that, that's my backyard, Lenny. You need to come ride with me there. Yeah, that was it was a lot of fun. I rode yeah. a, a CRF two fifty through there and just had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we stay we our our hometown out here in the desert now is a little place called Ransburg. Anybody listen to that? Ransburg and uh, we stay at the Cottage Inn Hotel and uh, it's a it's a great place. You know, place out there, Marty Gomez takes really good care of us. It's our home away from home. And uh, we land out there. You know, I got a group coming in this week, coming in Thursday from around the country to ride with us. And uh, we'll land out there, get a lot of miles in on Friday, a big bonfire and warm bed and warm showers and uh, great food. And try to drag them through about another 120 miles of desert on Saturday. Only 125 miles? That's about it. That's if they're lucky. <laughs> That's if they're lucky. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, we just, we, we just have, it, it, it's a great place. And, uh, you know, again, I get to do today what I loved doing back in 1973, you know, uh, that's riding a motorcycle, you know. Uh, you know, the, when, when it comes right down to it, racing was great. I'll never, racing, Racing did so much for me as a child. You know, it taught me uh, ethics. It taught me how to be grateful to people like Mr. Duncan uh, and thankful to the people, you know, and respectful. Uh, you know, and, you know, there, there was a period in my life where, you know, I was still young. And that said, well, I keep racing. You know, we need a little bit of help. And there's a... I go to work and make money to help support it. That's what we did. That's what we did then. And, you know, it brought us up to make us who we are today. And again, motorcycles then were a passion. And today, at 60, going on 60 years old, guess what? Motorcycles are a passion. <laughs> well, you had the, your two biggest fans was your mom and dad. And my grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Remember, yeah. yeah. I could, I I remember uh, your grandpa because uh, uh, he used to show up with your dad way back when they had the drag bike and yeah and I was talking about I serviced the TT special that they bought and uh, for your dad to race but 
your dad and I had a, an arrangement. He'd do the talking and, and um, the politicking, and I just do the the uh, work on the bike. <laughs> I can picture that. He yeah. still likes to do. He still likes to do a lot of talking and politicking. Well, this he was good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, we we've come we've come a long way and done a lot of different things. Let me ask you this, Steve. What was it like? Because I'm biased. This is my dad, and I've spent my whole life there. What was it like when he was your mechanic, trainer, sponsor? What What was it like uh, under his tutelage? Again, I'm going to drop back to that. You know, I was 12 years old at that time, 12, 13 years old. He'd asked me a lot about the motorcycle. I can't remember what what exactly all my answers were. You know, you know, at that time there was just it was you know an XR seventy five, and I had one of the best bikes ever built to ride. Uh, your dad gave great guidance, great guidance. You know, and uh, I remember the guidance the most. You know, it was training in 1974-75, We didn't, you know, we didn't know what training was. You know, at 13 years old, you know, a little bit later on in life, I understood, and you know, you get out and run and, you know, do a little bit of training and stuff like that, practice. Uh, but at that time right there, riding for your dad, it was a privilege. It was a big privilege. And, you know, just the guidance that he gave us along with my parents, and my grandparents was, you know, I had such a team behind me. We'd show up at we'd show up at the races, and you know there was one rider at that time there, you know, for a lot of the big races, and that would be me. And there, there there'd be twenty people behind me. So yep. very fortunate, very fortunate. Yeah, you know, my off road career, racing in the off road, same way, same exact way. You know, uh, I had you guys, Duncan Racing, building everything. Uh, we would get to the race. I always had 15, 20 people in my pit behind me. Very fortunate. That's, that's what it's all about. Well, telling, telling a few tales on you when, when we were doing this, like you said, I asked you questions and, and I can remember one time I, you come in after winning, uh, the race and uh, I asked you how the bike handled and everything, and you said, oh, great. And uh, <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> this is the shock story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you weren't phased by the fact you were riding a rigid. Right. You still went just as fast. The shock was blown up. The shock froze up, and... Uh, and Huh? Didn't it bend? Uh, I think it the shaft bent. That's why it froze up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you were not phased a bit. <laughs> you <laughs> and, kept riding. And you know, Danny, I'm still the same way today. You know, uh, you know, the suspension on things today are nine day difference compared to what it was in 1970. Oh, yes. You know. You know. And. Uh, so I, I, I pick up all these motorcycles and I got one here just recently and I'm actually going to make it my favorite 350 to ride that's in our fleet. And John, I've, I was sharing this story about John who works with me a lot now on my trail rides. And uh, 
John's a special, he, he's a, John is uh, very particular about his motorcycles, okay? And he likes it special this way, special that way. And, and so I let him ride these bikes. And I was loving it. I was loving this motorcycle. He rode it and he goes, oh, no, no, got to do this. And, and just with a couple little tweaks and a little bit of this, that it felt so much, you, you know, I'm still the same way. I, I, I could ride a wheelbarrow and have fun. <laughs> no, that, that was amazing, you know, because, you know, several times you, uh, it, you know, the things didn't work like they were supposed to, but you still, uh, you just kept riding like it was, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, everything was perfect, you know. Yeah. I, I can remember back in the old days, like in the off-road days and stuff like that. We had, you know, we had a lot of problems with kill switches that start shorting out. You know, remember how those would do? And so, yeah. I come in about every other race with the kill switch wire pulled, yanked apart. You know, because <laughs> nothing was going on, and Dad taught me, you know, just yank that kill switch wire. Well, we we replaced that a whole lot of times. Yeah, it's, at a certain point in the era of the all of the manufacturers that was the first thing you'd go to when a bike started acting bad yeah now, nowadays the electronics and the quality of that stuff is so much better yeah it's it, it's amazing you know we we it, it's like us with this coyote trail adventures now you know we're running these you know most of our bikes are 2018 and newer the ktms all with the fuel injected and uh ecus and you know uh your biggest problem is you got to make sure the gas you put in there is good and clean and strong and uh, take care of the fuel filters every now and then, you know, change the oil and ride them. That's so important. Maintenance, 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 right? Yeah. So go ahead, Dad. That, that's kind of what keeps us in business is, uh, is when people don't uh, do the maintenance, uh, they pay later. Yeah, so yeah. why are you changing the oil so often? You know, I mean, so, so know. I don't have to. So I don't have to get it down to the shop. Yeah, well, right now, right now, Lauren's pulling his hair out. I'll bet money uh, he's probably still working on an engine somewhere or drafting an estimate because it's uh, so he, it, we have so many. We just don't know. Yeah. What yeah, it never stops, does it? Never. The the the. the Love of off-roading, I think if if you have to find a positive with COVID, I would have to say that the, the love of off-roading worldwide, you know, it became a importance in everybody's life again. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. They forgot that they really enjoyed being outside and getting to see what, a, you know, what, the, what some of the countryside has to offer. You know, you can drive your UTV, ride your three-wheeler, your four-wheeler, your motorcycle, whatever it is that you have, and you can just go have an amazing time with your family. And if you don't know exactly how to do that, I know this guy, Steve Walker, who has a great tour business. <laughs> <laughs> great opportunity for a throw in there. Yeah, <laughs> shameless plug, right? We recommend him highly. <laughs> you know, we, we just got done doing, uh, you remember the old L.A., or the old Barcelona Vegas desert race. Yeah, I never got to do it, but I remember it. Right, you know, and 
they pulled the plug on that back in the 80s due to political reasons, BLM and land issues and stuff like that. Uh, now they have what they call the LA to Barstow to Vegas dual sport ride, you know, and, uh, and it attracts about 500 riders or better. And uh, I had the opportunity, we joined, I'm part of that district. And uh, as we started this business, we say, well, we'll support that ride there too. You know, that's people come from around the country and around the world. Uh, last weekend we had Thanksgiving weekend, we had, Eight riders, that's a full ride for me. That's, you know, I won't take any more than that because I can't provide the services that they need beyond that, you know. Uh, and we want to be provide, provide top of the line services, world class. And uh, we had eight riders from around the country and Guam show up last weekend. We pushed them 420 miles through the majority of the hard ways, not every single hard way, but they got to ride through the last hard way rode into Vegas as the sun went down on Saturday night, you know, and that was, and where I'm going with this, Lenny, is, you know, it's the people sharing the, uh, the enthusiasm for off-road and getting out and seeing what everything has to show, you know. It, and it's, whether it's a motorcycle or an ATV, yeah, it, or it's an amazing family and an amazing group of people. Um, remember on any Sunday when, when they talked about, you know, meeting somebody on the back of a motorcycle, you, you know, you, you meet just amazing people in this industry and the, the yes, family be formed uh, from all over the world. You know, I mean, I've been blessed to, to travel uh, all over South America, Europe, uh, you know, Italy and, and Poland, France. I mean, it's, just, yeah. it, it's an amazing, amazing community because it doesn't matter. I, I remember being in, in South America and the team didn't speak English. They spoke Spanish. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's just make it work. You know, and when you're handing wrenches, you're speaking the same language. How about that car? How did that work for you? Uh, the first year uh, we got third and it was um, the worst experience of my life. And like I was just telling dad a couple of days ago, Two weeks later, I was ready to go do it again. Yeah, yeah. It's a passion that we have for taking care of others and being part of that sport. Oh, but, you know, and, and, and whether the sport is racing or just dual sporting or riding your UTV, it's part of being out there and enjoying the off-road community. You know, uh, part of the experience I got to share with everybody last weekend coming from around the country to ride with us is what we have here in the Mojave Desert. And everywhere you went, Thanksgiving weekend's a huge weekend in the desert. I mean, you guys know how that is. That's yep. it's probably the biggest weekend of the year. Yep. And uh, you know, everybody wants their their side by side, their their quad built and redone for Thanksgiving. You know, yep. they may only ride once a year, but Thanksgiving weekend they're going to be out there riding in the desert, which is filled full of people. And we were able to navigate that and you know show the people you know, the off-road community that we have out here. And, you know, like you said, letting that on any Sunday moment, you know, you meet the nicest people. How about, how about remember the old omen, you meet the nicest people on a Honda? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, you meet the nicest people on off-road. I, I have to agree with it, you know, because the evolution of this sport with the different brands and the different things that you can ride, I mean, whether it be three, four, two, or 
a UTV, you, you, you're just out having a good time. And yes, you are. Just make sure you pick up your trash and take it home with you. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Which a lot of people don't get that, you know? No, 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 they sure don't. Uh, I don't even want to go on that subject there. Right. That, right. That, that, that's, that's, that, that, that is a huge pet peeve of ours. And there we live. It's, hard to imagine some of the things that they have going on out there in the middle of the desert today that uh, is amazing. I don't like sharing that part of it, uh, but yeah, it, it's all, it's the way our culture and the, the world is changing today. What's the strangest thing you've ever found out in the desert? <laughs> well, here recently, the strangest things I keep finding is huge pop farms everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. It, 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 it's amazing. You know, I could take you to one place out here, uh, north of Hinkley, north of Hinkley. And if you know, if you ever uh, watch that Aaron Brockovich movie about uh, PG&E and the bad water and everything, yep. that's the little town of Hinkley. Well, just north of there, there's a pot farm out there that's a mile by mile square. Wow. You know, and out here by Edwards Air Force Base, just south of there, area called High Vista, which used to be great off-road racing, and we do have a, a lot of our one-day rides there. Uh, just one, two, and three-acre pot farms popping up everywhere. There, I mean, and, I, and I'm not talking, you know, 24, 25. I'm talking hundreds of them. Wow. What happens is yeah, the, the unfortunate part about that is, is they, they leave their trash behind. Uh, it just becomes a dump. That's, 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 you know, besides some of them, you know, and then you, but you asked what some of the coolest or the most unique things was I found. We found a lot, the history that I can take you and show you out here, the mining facilities, the old trucks. Uh, we got, we got an area up here called Pleasant Valley Loop, Pleasant Canyon. And uh, you're at one point, you're in Death Valley, right? Imagine this Death Valley riding through pine trees, okay? It's 7,400 feet looking down at Badwater, which is 282 feet below sea level. You know, you're, at, you're at this elevation up here. I've been up there in the snow looking down at this 282 feet below sea level. And the, the uh, equipment that these miners left up there in these hills are just amazing. And then uh, the donkeys. We get to see a lot of, you know, I love donkeys. I got two of my own right now, Yogi and Magoo. And, uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, we get to see a lot of wild donkeys out there. That's crazy. That's crazy. The, the hard work. And, 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 pe and people laugh at me because they go, Steve will look around. You know, people have ridden with me. And so all of a sudden, he stops. He starts pointing. See that over there? Yep, there's some more donkeys. See, we see them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were in, uh, we were in, I think we were in Chile. And we were at the start of one of the day, one of the stages. And as we were leaving, we uh, heard of them blocked the road oh. we were on and we were taking pictures of them. And, and, uh, you know, one got a little curious, came to close, kind of close to the, to the car, but for the most part, um, and then we found out later on, if we would have touched them or done anything, we would have been fined because it's oh. pretty, yeah, it's, you don't yeah. mess with them down there. Yeah, and, and 
Uh, you don't mess with them up here either. Uh, Death Valley, they're starting to remove them because they're indigenous to the, to the grounds there and stuff like that. Uh, they, that. That's one of my more special things there is running across the donkeys out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, seeing some of the old mining equipment. We just, I, I love, I love the history. You know, the desert has so much history in it. Uh, people, People think it's the desert is a dry, dusty old place. Well, there used to be a lot of water here. A lot of, you know, this little place we stay at out here in Randsburg. Randsburg was started in 18, founded in 1895 by some gold on the hill. 1898, there was 3,000 people living there. Now there's about 18 people living there again. <laughs> you know, but what, what wonderful, I love the history. I love the history that the Western United States have and love to share that with people. So... Have you went and rode on any trail rides on the East Coast like you offer? No, not on the East Coast. Uh, but me and my wife, Jennifer, you know, we, we started this business uh, five years ago. It was kind of funny. About five years ago today, she started saying, you need to put pen to paper and start doing this. And that was after some tours that we'd done in Mexico uh, with Baja Bounds. And which great opportunity, great people to ride with down that way there. He knew every, you know, he knew everything there was to do down there. We took a, we took a vacation. We did uh, 10 days riding dirt bikes over in Bali, Indonesia. Okay. Uh, and no, we, 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 we want to go do some other dirt bike rides in other places. Uh, Canada, maybe Costa Rica, stuff like that, or the East Coast. There's a huge one in Spain. Yeah. I talked to a lot of, you know, it's kind of funny once you get involved with this community, you know, uh, as you guys are, next thing you know, they start reaching back to you too. You know, you become known. Yes. Doesn't take long, does it? No, no. I had a guy show me a picture from a dirt bike today showing Mount Everest in the background. Now that was cool. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That is, that is pretty cool. Yeah. So I got a, I got another one for you. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. If we've talked a little bit of the stories about the tutelage from dad and some of the things, what's probably one of your most memorable experiences with my dad? Racing one of the world's fastest XR75s. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I'll, I'll you know, and, and I'm going to drop back to clear to, you know, and, and you, you know, Danny, you influenced me a lot in my life. Okay. You know, from childhood, young, middle age, you know, getting, you know, working with you, Lenny and Lauren and everybody, Danny, you were always there in the background to steer all of us, whether it be right or wrong. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a couple great memorable races that I have, Lenny, that the finishes weren't there to speak for what they meant, what that event meant to me. Uh, you know, and one of them was this, this race against Mike Brown, Jeff Ward, Brian Myerskoff back in 1974 on the Honda XR75 at Four Corners. And second to last lap, on second to last lap, uh, on the third moto, leading the race, leading the world's best, the ignition cover came off. Remember that, Danny? That I, yeah, I remember that. The flywheel off the side of the motor. 
and you know it almost took my foot off and everything yeah you know, yeah you know, this i just remember you know, everything quit right there me and your dad sat out there sat out there on that track and cried with each other pretty memorable right there pretty memorable you know because as much as i wanted to win that win that race and beat those guys your dad wanted that just as much as i did and uh I remember, I remember that really special, you know, there's two special moments in my life that have similar endings like that. That was one of them. Actually, you and my dad were there with me. We had to push the bike back. His bike wouldn't run no more. It was broke. It was done. Uh, another time was 1987, I believe, 87 or 88, 87 or 88. And this is on the the CR500s that you guys have built for me and uh, not a mechanical failure, but a brain fade on my part. We're racing a uh, national hare and hound as against the likes of Paul Krauss, Dan Smith, Dan Ashcraft, Larry Rosler. Third loop, running third overall, and I missed a checkpoint. I, I skipped about a mile and a half of the course and ended up with the lead. Don't think I'm running third overall. I'm thinking fourth overall is catching me. Actually, it was the guy who was actually leading the race, Paul Krause. And I crossed the finish line 110 miles later into the race, supposedly first. And, uh, you know, they had to tell my dad, who was crying at that moment, that I didn't pass him, you know. Uh, you know, those two, the, those are two very big moments. Yeah, but the, did, did, did you tell the officials that you didn't win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 there was a... I, I was missing a tab. You, know, you go to these checkpoints, and uh, I cut about a mile and a half off the course. Didn't do it on purpose. It was just a mis huge mistake on my part for assuming. And uh, it was like it went out about three quarters of a mile, made a U-turn, and came back. And it only took me a half mile to pick up that other course, and so I did. I thought I was doing. I thought. You know, didn't cheat on purpose, but I did cheat that day, and you know, and it wasn't on purpose. And uh, you know, it's that race there and that race back in 1974. But I do remember on the big firm, then we had no nowhere there. You know, this four corners track. It's uh, you know, for those of you listening, it was up in uh, behind the San Diego country states, which is now, and uh, sat up there in the hills there. And you know, but my most memorable moment there was. That moment, that day there with your dad crying on the, on the track because we didn't get to beat him. That's pretty we, awesome. We tried. That same day, there was like a stair step. Yeah. And you, as you <laughs> yeah. got in your rhythm, you quit going down the second one. You, you skipped one of them. Started jumping I it. I remember you started jumping that. They didn't, but you did. Yeah, no, I I remember that exclusively. It, yeah, yeah, no, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, you know, the, you, you know, you know, Lenny. There's so many memories, so many, you, you know. And, and again, the childhood that we grew up with, you know. And I can, I'm step, I'm stepping back to my very second race that I remember sitting up in the dad's up in you guys' garage, you know, uh, you and Lauren were real young at that time there, you know, uh, I was only 10, 11 years old. And, uh, 
out in the shop working with your dad on a Saturday night because he was there to help my dad get this motor, this motorcycle rebuilt so I could go race again on Sunday. I just sitting here talking with you and dad, I totally understand why I am the way I am now. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's all of the things that we're talking about that, that dad did with you. I do now. And yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, I was just, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, but I, I believe I was one of the first people that you stepped in and helped in life that way there. And I know I can, I know there was, there's been hundreds more since me, you know, hundreds more, you know, the, the way you guys have stepped through and helped people. And, uh, you know, but those early days, those early days, we learned how to do it. No, I, I, uh, you were the first that, uh, you know, and, uh, my theory was, uh, on the bike. If, if I had total control of the bike, I could make sure every, everything worked. And that's why I don't know if you remember, but I told you that it wasn't a damn rocking chair. You know, you got on it to ride it. You did not sit on it and play with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's it's so true today, too. You know, yeah. it didn't account. It didn't, this isn't for you to sit on. Get out. You know, go sit in the yeah. chair over there. Well, and, 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 and my dad, you know, you know we weren't, you know, you or my dad or grandpa, you know, nobody chased us around the track and said, you know, you yelled, yelled, yelled. But there was a understanding, you know, and the understanding was that you're, you're, you're either going to race or just ride. You know, if you want to just ride, well, we'll come out every now and then we'll go do it. And he's not going to be there for you, you know, you know. If you if you want to race and you want to win, you know you didn't have to win all the time. We didn't. It was, you know, we were racing to win. There's no doubt about that. But it was the heart and the desire and the effort that was put in by everybody. You go ahead and give it 110, percent and we'll be back. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and if that, you know, and if you only want to put 80 percent in, well. I'm going to go talk to the next person. <laughs> yeah, I got other things I can do. You know, exactly, exactly. You know, I I enjoyed uh, your dad's reaction though uh, when you'd have a good weekend and. <laughs> Plus, yeah. uh, your mom and 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 Judith used to uh, uh, have some good conversations while the racing was going on. Yeah, and they, and they also took care of running the snack bar at Brown Oaks. Yeah. 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 You know, you, know, you step back to those days today, and, and, you know, I don't get out to the races a whole lot today, you know, like like what you guys do, Lynn, you know, with the ATVs or just through your lo local motocross, you know, but our Saturdays were filled, and you were part of this, you know, Saturdays were filled with Stingray bicycles riding, uh, hiking, Playing with all the kids, and put your helmet on, and go race on Sunday, and that's what taught us to be who we are today. You know, uh, it's just you know not to be sitting here. You here, and here we are. So we spent how long we've been talking now? 
Hour and 10 minutes. Wow. See, and I don't talk that long. I, I, I was worried about going 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, I was worried about going 15 minutes, you know, but but the whole thing that this you know comes down to is what we did as children, you know, you can look at Lauren and Lenny, you know, look at me and my brother, and look at everybody who was around us at that time, grew up to good, grew up to good, be good people, you know. There were some difficulties that I came across personally in my whole life. And that, that was me who brought it on. That was me who stepped in and had to correct it. And, uh, you know, I learned from people. And uh, I wouldn't be here today without people like Danny, you, your brother, my mom and dad, my grandmother, grandfather, you know. And my grandmother and grandfather, they passed away uh, 77 and 78. Actually, 77 and 80. I'm sorry. 77 is when my grandfather passed away. My grandmother, I believe, 1980. And uh, they were a huge influence in me in motorcycle racing. You know, you know people that have grandparents, you know. Uh, remember that old root beer orange XR that my grandpa bought? I think he bought it from Mr. Antonacci. There, 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 there was a root beer, root beer colored XR 75 that and it was, it was, you had built the motor and it was built up to be more for the 110 class, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, it wasn't your bike, but this, I did, my, my grandparents, they supported me 100%. You know, they were in all the races, they were there cheering me on. You know, uh, the, the childhoods that we have made us who we are today. You know, and I, it, I hope that the off roading industry. We'll bring it back full circle for um, my grandkids, you know, because yeah. I have six grandchildren and um, teach them. You know, my son got to race a little. My daughter despises the racing, not because uh, she doesn't like the racing, because her boys race, her son, her husband uh, races. What is it? What did he race? What does he race? Uh, little cars, uh, like a sprint car, or, a, or okay. A <laughs> so, so um, no, I've not. I've only been once. Uh, it's pretty cool, but it's just not my gig. It's a car, you know. I mean, it's a quad yeah. or a motorcycle. I'm in it, but well, well uh, see. See, like, see, like you're sharing there, you know, me and uh, Jennifer, we don't have any kids of our own. Uh, there's these two Mexican boys that came into our lives many years ago, 14 years old. And uh, they both turned out, to be, you know, they are our family, you know, Chewie and Jose. And uh, they've grown up, got respectable positions here in the, in the uh, Valley. You know, Jose runs a, BMW dealership and Chewy, Chewy lived with us for five, six years. And finally, one day, you know, he's sitting here at the garage at the house. This is many years ago. And he goes, Oh, when you guys take off and go riding and camping, I'm really tired. You know, we're tired of sitting here watching it. I want to start going riding too. I said, Okay. You know, so off I went and I bought him a motor. We bought a motorcycle that afternoon on the CR 250 X. And, uh, Couple weeks later, a couple months later, we're headed out to one of the local motorcycle races to help with the pits and this and that desert race. <clears throat> Way I want to start racing, you know. So it's not it's not my blood, but it is my family and a transfer. You know, now he has a son who just had his third birthday, Joaquin. 
guess what he's got? He's got a PW50, you know? So <laughs> you know, it is going down the line and it warms my heart. You know, it warms my heart that, uh, you know, it can be passed on that way there. And I understand what you're talking about. And, you know, I want, I want it to be there. You know, it's unfortunately, I see a lot of change coming, but I hope that just still the, the root of the off-roading can be there for our grandchildren when they get there. I do too. I do too. I have a garage full of LT80s. I got to finish. <laughs> Perfect. They're all they're all in pieces. One of these days, when I quit working on race 450s, maybe I'll maybe I'll finish some recreational LT80s for my great grandkids because my grandchildren will all be too big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but one of the bikes that I'm putting together was Ethan's. Ethan's thir- going to be 13 on the 17th. It's still in pieces. Okay. <laughs> you got some work to do. Yes. I need, uh, it's been so long. I got uh, a, an opportunity to get a 400EX and I bought him the 400EX because grandpa had not gotten his LT80 done. So I bought him a 400EX so that he'd have something to ride. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Just, uh, you just got to keep the circle going, right, dad? Yeah. Steve, Danny, thank you guys so much for coming on ATV talk. Um, we went a little over overtime, but it, it, it's well worth it. Uh, as always, Steve, I'd like to extend the invitation for you to come back at any given time. Um, and yes, I'm going to book a tour at some point and come up and go ride motorcycles with you. Danny Duncan is welcome on my, my trips exclusively. I don't know if we can get dad on a bike now. (laughs) Dad's got a little too old. Uh, No, you just, you're not too old. You're just afraid of falling over. Uh, Well, I remember how it hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Again, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.